Independentleft.news. Indie. Indie. What's up, Indie? Indie News Network. Indie. Can I get news from Independent Left? Independentleft.news. Independentleft.news. Indie Left Media. Independent Left News. Indie Left. Independent Left News. Independent Left Media. Indie Media. Indie Left. Indie. 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 Indie Left News. Indie Left. Hi, Indie. Indie Left News. Subscribe to Indie News Network. We're world building. Your, your way of assisting, I feel like, is really cool. Independentleft.news. Independentleftnews. I'm a huge fan. He created INN. The founder of uh, Independent News Network. Indy is the founder of Indie News Network. Thank you, Independentleft.news. A huge thank you and shout out to Indy Left. Everyone, check out Indy Left News. Hey, Indy Left. Independentleft.news. Indy. Indy. Hi, Indy. Indy Left. Indy Left News. Indy News. Independent Media. Independentleft News has done an amazing job. Well, hi, everybody. Oh, wow. This is a little bit of a different look tonight. Yeah. Um, what's up? It's Indie Flying Solo tonight. Um, this is a little unexpected, but we're going to try this, and I'm kind of looking forward to it a little bit, but we'll we'll see. Um, we were supposed to have a guest host tonight, but scheduling conflicts, things come up, and got a shuffle, got a shift, and here we are. And we've got some folks already here in chat and watching live, and I really appreciate that. Love you all. It is How Do We Miss That? Welcome, everybody. We're going to get started fast. So welcome, everybody. How Do We Miss That? How Do We Miss That is a podcast and live stream, and we feature articles written by independent journalists who expose corruption, cover the growing labor movement, and challenge establishment narratives and talking points. We're certainly going to do that tonight. New episodes stream live Sunday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. That's now. On our YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, Rockfin, Substack, Facebook, and usually Telegram, but I forgot to turn on Telegram, so we're not doing Telegram tonight. But we're everywhere else. Uh, podcasts usually publish within a couple days. We're up to we're up to date. So if you go to uh, anchor.fm slash independent left news, or if you search for how do we miss that on Spotify, you can find us pretty quick. Uh, I'm going to host tonight. I'm Indy. I'm the founder and editor of independentleft.news. IndieLeft.news, also, you can get there either way. Uh, IndieMedia.today Substack, IndependentLeft.gg. Uh, that's the Discord. I never really give mention to it, but it's a great reference. And also, of course, founding member of Indie News Network, where we're also streaming live to all the Indie News Network channels. We are not banned this week, thank goodness. So we're back on, on INN. <clears throat> thank you and to everyone that yelled at INN, they yelled at at YouTube for the content strike about INN. It's ridiculous what they're doing. Um, all the stories that you're going to see tonight were featured in in uh, Indie Left News between Sunday and Friday. These are just a few of the big ones that I saw that people might have missed. We're going to talk about East Palestine. I know that uh, there were a ton of people talking about things, but I did want to bring some resources there. And please make sure like this, uh, share the link, like the stream, subscribe to the channel wherever you are, whichever channel you're on. We're in so many different places. Uh, I know because we're spread out everywhere, but that way we can make sure they never shut us down. So uh, I want to get to uh, some stories in our thumbnail. And shout out to Big Mad Crab. You can see the chat. We just extended the chat. I'm going to keep that a little longer. And so we've got a couple stories that we're going to do tonight. Uh, first one I thought was really interesting about Dan Cohen exposing a Canadian troll farm over his posts about Haiti. Uh, we're going to talk about 
what happened in East Palestine and some of the resources and what people can do. We're going to talk about the Consent Factory and Matt Taibbi and what he's trying to do as far as exposing the Consent Factory between social media, corporate, Wall Street, government, and this entire narrative management. We're also going to talk about the Line 3, uh, the, the cops in Minnesota that protected Line 3. And then I want, I'm, I'm excited to talk about the event that happened today, the Rage Against the War Machine. Um, wow. The power of the speakers has been outstanding. The, um, you know, uh, I, I wanted, I, we did co-stream the last hour, but I really wanted to, to keep the event uh, focused on the couple of channels that, that did, you know, the event for the Rage Against the War Machine, for the Libertarians, and for the People's Party. I didn't want to continue to dilute the streams everywhere. For the last hour, I saw there were so many people. I was like, all right, we just put ours on too. But um, that was that was a decision I made not not to do that. Um, but that we could regret that. But I, I don't regret it. I was tweeting about it, supporting the channel, sharing the links everywhere. And, and I'm excited for the, the success that the event had today. So proud of Tara Reid and all the speakers. And everybody that came that came together to uh, to to do this, um, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. I just I've got some pictures that I wanted to share that that people sent me. And all right, so our first story is the Canadian Troll Farm with with Dan Cohen. Um, he has a new Substack called Uncaptured Media. Please go subscribe to it, and there'll be a link to it in the description afterwards. So what he did was he found a Canadian troll farm ma trying to manufacture consent for the Haiti for a Haiti invasion in Canada of all things it's really strange right so the subtitle said the subheading is is that as as Canada deployed military aircraft over Haiti a private military contractor operated a troll farm give the appearance of popular support for foreign military intervention pretty uh, okay now they're really turning into the United States now they're being corporate controlled and narrative managed and now they're hiring troll farms. That's really weird. So Dan on February 6th, that was a couple of weeks ago, reported for Redacted. That's a decent show. Uh, if, you, if you haven't followed them on Rumble, I believe they're on Rumble and they're on Twitter everywhere. Um, he reported how multiple mainstream media outlets after months of, of, of uninterest in Jimmy Barbecue Cherizier, okay, which is the, Hades G9, the head of Haiti's G9 Federation, suddenly was bombarded with interview requests. Had that happen and why? And he declined to be interviewed by the AP, which of course has run propaganda hit, 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 propagandistic hit pieces. Well, I'll say that five times fast. Um, but they showed up at the entrance to his neighborhood. They demanded that he granted them an interview. He agreed. And of course, they gave him another hit piece. Al Jazeera, Sky News did the same thing. And it's weird. It's, you know, and, 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 Dan noticed this and stated on February 1st, like they're all branding him as a gang leader, one of many, but he's the only one they ever interview. And why is that? Well, turns out that days later, the Canadian government, which is acting on behalf of the Biden administration, deployed air military aircraft, which we learned over Haiti. Uh, maybe we didn't learn. So, hey, did you know that we deployed military aircraft over Haiti? I, I think some people probably didn't. While the U.S. and Canada have sought to remain quiet about their plans for military intervention in Haiti, Ottawa publicly announced it, suggesting that it wanted public attention, that it, that it warranted it, at least. Uh, the Canadian government 
press release specified that its mission was to, quote, disrupt the activities of gangs, using the exact same language as those media outlets had used to describe Cherizier. That's, that's really weird. Jimmy Barbecue. I, I remember Dan was on Jimmy Dora talking about Jimmy Barbecue. So uh, this suggested a level of, co of coordination between Canadian government and media outlets, which would hardly be surprising, of course, given the warm relationship between Western intelligence agencies and the media, right? So he reported on this for Redacted, where he's correspondent, and you could you could catch that it's on their YouTube or on their their Rumble channel. And as soon as the report was published, he started to notice Twitter accounts. And I remember Jimmy's also talked about this the troll operation. The ah oh, man, you've really lost it, and I don't know what he's talking about anymore. And it's it's all like the same stuff. And here you here you go, check your facts and stop spreading con conspiracies. No one's planning an invasion on Haiti, bro. Right. So he's like, huh, that's pretty interesting. I broke this story on Redacted. And what follows now is a written and detailed expose of the troll operation, having nothing to do with Jimmy Barbecue or the story or anything else. This is exposing a troll operation. And I love this because this is like, what? Now, who did it? We still don't know. However, the account that commented that Johnson Jr. seat, he clicks on that and created in January of this year. What a surprise as Biden officials and Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau discussed military inter intervention amid a summit in Mexico and Haitian government of unelected Prime Minister Ariel Henry signed a, mo a memorandum of understanding, an MOU with Canada to, quote, strengthen the capabilities of the Haitian police and facilitate cooperation. So what that meant was that they were actually going to send them weapons. Trudeau commented that we're all very aware that Things could get worse in Haiti, and that's why, as Canada and partners, including the United States, are preparing various scenarios if it does start to get worse, or if they start to stoke it and then find some rebels and create unrest so that they can send in and sell tanks and have a puppet government that's going to be friendly to them. Hmm. I, I can't imagine anything like that possibly happening, but maybe, maybe. Um, hmm. So Johnson Jr. State, of course, with no followers, yo, bro. OK, no one's in planning an invasion in Haiti because, of course, Johnson Jr. Saint really knows. <laughs> I easily located the source of the profile photo on Unsplash where it's listed under, quote, black people right in the middle. That's Johnson Jr. Saint. How about that? Right. The same troll account thanks Sebastian Carrière, who's Canada's ambassador to Haiti, which is weird, and Bob Ray, Canada's representative at the U.N., Okay, so now you've got like government accounts being thanked by some zero follower thing that was just created last month. Okay, that's weird, right? And he's using the same weird hashtags, definitely troll farm related type of stuff. Another troll similarly, similarly thanked this guy. Okay, and then this one is Tamara. So who's Tamara? Oh, and then this troll, Judith, accused me of spreading fake nasty rumors and conspiracies about Canada's effort to help Haiti. And this is also pretty suspect. Again, hashtag stopping violence in Haiti and thank you Canada seem to be these hashtags. Okay, so there is Judith's profile picture on Unsplash. Okay, she's available for hire as a bottle. Like all the others, it was created in January of 23 and took its profile from Unsplash. So on February 8th, that same troll thanked the Canadian military and said the intelligence it had gathered would help the Haitian National Police end criminal violence. Holy shit. Crazy.
All right. <clears throat> so, yeah. So that's, again, that same Judith account. Now you've got her also hoping that an international invasion of Haiti would happen soon. Hmm. Now, there aren't many views of this thing, but the point is, is that they're putting out this stuff for people to, to try to absorb. And then you've got another troll named Jeff, Jeff Michel. All right. He tweeted false accusations about the Canadian efforts to aid Haiti. How low of you, Mr. Dan Cohen, another white man paid to spread misinformation and conspiracies. Okay, Jeff Michel. Well, let's see. That comment was retweeted by seven other troll accounts. And when you look at the connection between all of these accounts, it gets really interesting. Of course, a basic Google image search reveals that this guy on Unsplash, Michel, right? Well, not really Michel. He's literally listed under, quote, black man pictures. So that's what somebody searched to find and make this guy's profile or some algorithm, whatever is going on. Like, holy shit. Right. Then similarly, the troll account Stanley R. Etienne. All right. Wrote that I was promoting a, quote, conspiracy theory and accused Russia of invading Haiti. <laughs> sure. But of course, the picture for Stanley Ricardo is actually author M.S. Krager, which you can look up on Amazon. <clears throat> Another account tweeted the YouTube link to his redacted report claiming to be in Haiti in Haiti and saying that, quote, the consensus in the streets of Port-au-Prince is that is that of contentment with the Canadian military art aircraft providing oversight and surveillance. That's really weird, like direct specific language. And again, look at that profile pic because that profile pic is actually taken from the coachability foundation, some, some coachability foundation. She's definitely not Mirland Simone. All right. So, and then here we've got her quote tweeting. Its first tweet was praising the signing of the Canadian government Haitian National Police Memorandum of Understanding. Basically, and you'll learn what that is in a minute, but pretty much it's Canada selling tanks and selling military equipment to the police. Another troll replied to that tweet. This channel only misinforms and it's just clickbait. It has already been verified with previous videos. I I saw, you know, I, I hear comic book guy's voice when I when I read this. It's already been verified with previous videos. Hopefully there'll be a military force sent to Haiti. Again, another one asking for military intervention. Fabienne, right? Oh, and that's interesting. So Fabienne is retweeting that, right? The original tweet was promoted by several of these other trolls. So now you've got a ring of people, a group, a family, a whatever of accounts that have all been set up to intertweet each other and share and retweet and like each other. Trolls have also taken aim at popular accounts that oppose foreign intervention. As one account, okay, uh, told Jean-Jacques Des Seven, uh, its story sounds really ridiculous, okay? Um, really strange, because Molly was saying that there's no need to justify Russia as a partner, because Lavrov was visiting. Right. Left wing media. No, I, the only thing I contend with in this entire thing is that he called Jacobin a left wing media outlet. But that's beside the point. But even Jacobin was hit because when Jacobin did an article about conditions worsening in Haiti and what the Canadians government's doing about it, even one of their trolls hit Jacobin. And I guarantee you, Jacobin was dumb enough to fall for it. They ran around going, oh, my God, what should we do? What should we do? That's right, Rick. Your colonizing is showing Canada. Uh, so Stanley says 
They also have a political agenda beyond intervention. Numerous troll accounts promote the Haitian politician and former Senator Jean-Renel Senatus to replace Ariel Henry as prime minister. So now they already know who they want to use, who they want to replace with regime change as the new prime minister. Hmm. Wonder where that's coming from. That's really strange. Right. So this was my favorite. The tro this troll account, Esther I. Germain, German, was created on January 17th, just before the Memorandum of Understanding was signed. And its only follower is David Kahansky or Kajansky, who is the CEO of a firm called Inkas, I-N-K-A-S. Now, it's really funny. And so while most of the accounts have carefully hidden their ties, three accounts give away the game. And this is what Dan says. Shout out to Dan and, and kudos for, for, for really going deep on this one. And um, Greg, uh, Big Mad Crab, uh, Crab Rad Greg, our uh, creative director over at INN, he actually was at the rally today and got video of Dan Cohen giving a speech. His fire. Dan's great. So we're talking about David Kahansky in this article that Dan wrote exposing this troll farm in, in Canada that was going, oh, they could be in Canada but they are definitely supporting a Canadian military intervention in Haiti, I'm sure backed by the United States. So the troll account was created on January 17th. Like I said, its only follower is David Kansky. And here's David's LinkedIn profile. And he's very well connected, 500 plus connections. Wow. All right. So what's funny is that the troll accounts of McKenza, McKenson, Samuel, whatever, and Jeff George's are only follow are, are this are followed only by Kahansky. So here's that Jeff and L George's, and this Natasha Bernard. Okay, he's the only follower. Why? What's going on there? Is that even really him? Probably because Incus is a private security firm based in Toronto. Okay, it works with NATO, the DOD, and Canada's Department of National Defense. Hmm. Curiouser and curiouser. So, Incus sold armored vehicles to Haiti, some of which were delivered in October 2022 and were used to enforce attack Cherigier, Jimmy Barbecue, and the G9's blockade on a fuel terminal that were in resistance to IMF-imposed price hikes, which Dan covered from the ground in Port-au-Prince for Redacted. And that was back in... I don't even remember when that was. Uh, back in October. But when those vehicles were delivered, Incas posted photos on Facebook with Haitian National Police Director General Franz Elby. God, the internet is forever, and guys, you're gonna get you're gonna get caught. Uh, Danny's gonna catch you. Shame on you. So, after the assault on the Var Varro fuel terminal, that was by Jimmy Barbecue and. Uh, Incas posted on its Facebook page that they're doing important work in Haiti. Again, indicating that they're selling armored trucks to Haiti and that they're located in Toronto. And who's their CEO? The guy who's listed as the one guy following all these troll accounts. So proudly made in China. Here we go. Here's a, here's a Facebook post about their armored vehicles, that they are serving and doing what they do best, while protecting and saving lives. Sure they are. Our fleet of vehicles in use by Haiti's National Police 
have sustained countless in the thousands of rounds from high-powered ammunition and all without penetration or casualties. Well, very, how, how very nice for, for ACAP. Um, we continue to stand behind our products. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Um, maybe we should talk to them. On January 24th, after the memorandum was signed, Incus posted on its Facebook page, like it said, that its fleet of vehicles was in use, has sustained thousands of rounds from high-powered ammunition. Patrol operation is a third element in the Canadian government's attempt to manufacture consent for what special former special uh, envoy Dan Foote told him is an imminent invasion of Haiti. And he told them that back in September, that there was going to be an imminent invasion of Haiti. And he wrote that for Mint Press. So, with Canada acting as the Biden administration's front man, it is employing fifth-generation warfare and using psychological operations to disrupt and influence public conversation in favor of military intervention. Fortunately, Dan has been able to expose this agenda at Redacted and there at Uncaptured Media. Uh, Uncapturedmedia.substack.com, go follow that. Hey, how about that? We've got merch too. So go go get some merch if you're interested in getting some uh a beanie. It's it winter's almost over, but there's still some cold time left. But we've got t-shirts, we've got shorts, we've got flip-flops, we've got socks, we got hoodies, we got crop hoodies. All right. So let's go back to me. Hey, hi everybody. Hi, everybody. All right, so um that's our first story for tonight. It was not a fun one. It's kind of a fun one because it's exposing a troll troll farm, troll uh, troll factory. It looks like it was run or put into place or hired either in conjunction with the Canadian government and or this Incus firm that sold the tanks and the armored vehicles that was looking to generate a little good PR for themselves. And instead they ran into Dan Cohen. Good luck with that. Um, okay. So that was our first story. And we've got, yep, uh, we got, again, two dozen people watching in chat. How are you? Good to see you. Thank you so much for hanging out on Sunday night with us. Please like, share, subscribe. We're going to get to the next story now, and that is, and we're going to go to the other main window, the Consent Factory. Okay. I Let me tell you, this year, one of my favorite authors, one of my favorite writers has been C.J. Hopkins from Off Guardian and from the Consent Factory, which is his own website. Consent Factory, I think, dot org. Dot, uh, Consent Factory, Inc., all right? And he has an article here talking about the Consent Factory. And it's really interesting because, obviously, that's the name of his website and his Twitter account for, for, uh, for that website. But he's been talking a lot about narrative management and the Consent Factory and, you know, and the group of people that are trying to set the narrative that everybody technically believes is a knowledge base of fact. And it's really interesting. Let me go back to it. I don't want to get to that yet. In, in 2000, let's call it 14, 15, I was not that politically awake. I was still sort of figuring out that Obama wasn't going to get anything done. I was still kind of saying, well, it was the Republicans and the corporate Democrats that really did it to him, not realizing that he himself was also a corporate Democrat that did it intentionally. That's because of the consent factory. And it took a huge awakening and 
in unplugging and a relearning and a tearing down of everything that I had effectively learned um, to understand just how badly we've been screwed over and lied to and how much for-profit system took over our media. And some people still haven't figured that out. They still think that the media is genuinely good. They still think that that they're trying to do good things, and it's not all in the name of profit. They think that profit's important, yeah, sure, but they still think that the media companies put good first and profit second, or at least put them on equal footing, where they don't even realize that good is not even in the equation anymore. It's just about ratings and about if it bleeds, it leads, and controversy sells, and clickbait sells, and big names sell, and emptiness and vapidness and selling the lie is what sells. And as long as you go along with that narrative, you're going to be well taken care of. And this is what CJ Hopkins has been talking about for a long time. He's been one of these people that's like been saying, I'm giving the the system the finger and I'm telling you what's happening and why I'm giving the system the finger and that I'm giving the system the finger. And I want you all to join me. And I love him. And I've started to do the same. So I join us here. So now here, what, what happened was Matt Taibbi is now going to go after the consent factory. So no, not his blog and the actual consent factory, the unimaginably powerful, mostly decentralized global capitalist propaganda apparatus that manufactures what passes for reality, quote unquote, in our increasingly totalitarian age, or he's going after the U.S. division of it anyway. Needless to say, I'm pretty excited. And that's CJ, but so am I, Indy. Why I'm so excited? Why am I so excited? You ask. Well, haven't I been hopping up and down and bouncing off the walls of my enclosure, hooting and screeching about how the so-called Twitter files are a limited hangout and hurling verbal feces at all and sundry involved like an agitated baboon? Well, yes, in fact, I have, and I intend to keep on doing that. But here's what I'm excited about. Pay close attention to the job description in Matt's recent Help Wanted ad for freelancers, which he put out on Racket News. Quote, We're trying to map a new wing of the U.S. government's propaganda apparatus that popped into view thanks to the Twitter files. State-directed censorship is scary, but the more disturbing activity we're seeing inside companies like Twitter involves what you might call offensive information operations, a type of aggressive official messaging that all governments practice, but it's supposed to be restricted by law in the United States. That goes on to explain the background of the project, that, quote, in a remarkably short time since the end of the Obama presidency, the U.S. government has funded an elaborate network of NGOs and think tanks whose researchers call themselves independent, quote, disinformation experts, like Hamilton 68. They describe their posture as defensive, merely tracking or countering foreign disinformation, But in truth, they aggressively court both the domestic news media and platforms like Twitter, often becoming both the sources for news stories and or the referring authorities for censorship requests. The end result has been relentless censorship of, and mountains of, often deceptive, state-sponsored propaganda about legitimate American political activity. Oh, God, I love these guys. The two of them are just wordsmiths. Okay, sure. Matt's Racket News Project will almost certainly be limited in scope to operations in the U.S. and will probably still be 
a limited hangout to the degree that it presents a propaganda slash disinformation slash censorship model wherein power flows downward from the U.S. government to the corporate media and social media corporations in the outmoded, despotic, like Orwellian fashion that everyone's used to understanding the functioning of oppressive power according to. And I'll definitely hoot and screech about that. However, at least as far as I'm aware, this project will be the first attempt by any high-profile independent journalist to investigate and report on an essential component of the aforementioned official propaganda apparatus in any kind of systematic manner. Systematic being the important term here, as we're talking about a cohesive system, not a series of arbitrary individual actions. What's he talking about? Or at least that's what it sounds like Matt has in mind. So if if Matt and the racket team pull this off, it'll be quite a journalistic accomplishment, which will be totally ignored, perfunctorily dismissed, perfunctorily dismissed, branded far-right disinformation, and then methodically dis- visibility filtered by the official propaganda and disinformation apparatus that the project intends to expose a part of. Of course, naturally. That is, unless they're extremely careful and restrict their reporting to certain designated areas within the Consent Factory campus, which, in which case, well, you know, awards, book deals, television appearances, the whole nine yards. Uh, I also, like CJ, like and respect Matt, and we'd like to see that happen for him, so I want to do what I can to help. I'm not a researcher, an infographic designer, but I thought I could point some no-go no go zones that Matt and his team will need to avoid if they want to preserve any chance in hell of not being formally ex- excommunicated from the Church of Seriousness and cast out into the outer darkness of the Nethernet where David Icke and Alex Jones hang out and you don't show up on Google searches. Like this. This is an article that I covered and read with fee not a week and a half ago from Consent Factory that also was picked up in Off Guardian. Off Guardian has been deemed by NewsGuard to not be a credible source of information. So, okay, the first thing and most important thing that Matt and his team will need to avoid is the fact that U.S. government is not what has been waging a global war on dissent and a war on global war on populism and conducting a global Gleichschaltung campaign whereby societies throughout the world are being ideologically synchronized and purged of any and all forms of deviance from global capitalist ideology since approximately the summer of 2016. It might even go back further than that, but that's about when I started noticing it too. So they'll need to stick to the domestic U.S. story and ignore all that global capitalism stuff, which, okay, that could get kind of awkward given the the existence of the rest of the world and maybe the influence of the rest of the world on U.S. politics and a guy like George Soros, who I believe lives in Austria or somewhere in Europe, having heavy influence on U.S. politics through open society. So in order to successfully ignore all that stuff, which knowing Matt, he'll be tempted to delve into, they'll absolutely need to commit to not hiring a slew of international researchers and convincing Elon to grant them access to the global Twitter files from countries like the UK, Germany, Italy, France, Spain, Australia, Canada, etc. 
so they can report on how the global capitalist propaganda apparatus operated in virtually perfect lockstep globally from 2020 to 2022 and is still operating in virtually perfect lockstep globally right this very minute. I've done reports on a couple of these stories where, thanks to the Associated Press and Reuters, they literally can have the exact same story on every social network and every major network within minutes of each other around the world. It's really weird. That means they'll need to give a wide berth to the official COVID pandemic narrative and all the government and corporate propaganda and visibility filtering connected therewith, which was clearly a global enterprise of which the U.S. government was only one part. Really? Yeah. They will need to pretend that some sort of Chinese wall exists. <laughs> That's funny. Between the stories of the PSYOP commonly known as Russiagate, a.k.a. the war on populism, and the PSYOP commonly known as the pandemic, and report on the former as if the latter had almost nothing to do with the former, <laughs> and were not an extension evolution of the former, whereas the former was an extension of the war on terror, which they also need to give a wide berth to, or else the history of the last 33 years might end up looking like the evolution of some globally hegemonic system, like, for example, global capitalism, towards some ultimate totalitarian morphology. Wow, that's, that's a mouthful. Um, yeah. Basically, they'll need to avoid the whole global capitalism thing entirely and report their story as if the world were compromised or were comprised of competing sovereign nation states that were acting in their own national interests and for the benefit of their citizens and so on, and not just a bunch of interdependent global capitalist administrative entities staffed by fascist maniacs and greedy half-witted functionaries who couldn't care less about their fellow citizens, much less their so-called democratic rights, and who would globally who would gladly establish a global market for their children's organs if they knew and they thought they could get away with it. Opening that can of worms would lead them straight into the heart of the consent factory. Again, not my little blog, but the decentralized, supranational network of governments, global corporations, NGOs, that's non-governmental governing entities, financial behemoths, corporate and state media, the majority of the culture industry, etc. Once inside, they could get lost in there forever, crawling down rabbit holes, pulling at strings, unraveling something that can never be unraveled, or not completely in any event, and which most people don't want to see unraveled, not even just a little bit, because once you see it, you can't unsee it, Tom Hanks, and soon you start to see it everywhere. And before you know it, you end up raving about the CIA assassinating Kennedy, thank you, Lori Spencer, or NATO blowing up the Nord Stream pipelines, thank you, Cy Hirsch, or neo-Nazis in Ukraine, thank you, Alex Rubenstein, or whatever. Another area that Matt and his racket team... Of course, we'll need to, you know, that that was really funny. Before I continue, that was literally like a line or a, say, a section out of a Jesse Jet song. That sounded like it belonged right at a red pill. Um, before you know it, you end up raving about it everywhere. You see propaganda elevating in the in, even in sit, sitcom banter. And in, in, yes, I, I, lo I love Jesse so much. Shout out Jesse Jet. If you can follow jessejet.bandcamp.com. I love that man at death. He's absolutely phenomenal. Brilliant genius. This week he wrote a piece on East Palestine uh, that everybody should read, share. We put it on Twitter. It's got 5,000 plus views already. Let's get back to the story. 
Another area that Matt and his racket team will need to studiously avoid when digging through the Twitter files that Elon Musk is granting them unrestricted and unconditional access to. I, I say that laughing because it's all vetted through legal counsel anyway, so it's not really unrestricted or unconditional access to any of it. It's any evidence of how new free speech Twitter is continuing and actually intensifying its visibility filtering of political speech especially political speech that doesn't fit neatly into a red-blue paradigm, or that reminds the public about how the COVID PSYOP was a global PSYOP that was rolled out all at once globally, and not just a series of well-intentioned overreactions and mistakes and so on, where the media just got it wrong. And here's the same thing, where Twitter is putting a warning because it has sensitive content, and then he puts literally P.T. Barnum's thing Oh, that's also sensitive. Feels like Elon Musk is trying to tell us something. That's also sensitive. Mm. They're putting visibility filters on everything from Consent Factory. So reporting on Twitter's current and intensified censorship and VF activities, and whichever other entities are currently involved therewith, will only detract from the reporting on Twitter's former censorship and visibility filtering activities and the other entities involved therewith, and confuse people and leave them feeling hopeless and depressed and suspicious of the actual motives of its owner, a billionaire military intelligence community contractor. Oh, I love him. I know, Matt. So I know it'll be hard for him to resist the temptation to delve into all these forbidden areas of inquiries and no-go zones and stick to the past tense domestic story, but... As a friend and colleague who's been consigned to the aforementioned ignominious nethernet, I would urge him to exercise some self-discipline and refrain from any such reckless delving. That's interesting. He's not going to do anyone any good by going full Howard Beale on Substack and getting himself and Glenn Greenwald horribly machine-gunned to death on System Update by Global Cap-sponsored Bolsonaro and guerrillas. True. And the story he's setting out to report will be a big, fat, Big, big titted hit in itself. There's no need to go after the entire consent factory and depress the living hell out of everyone. After all, that's what blogs like CJ's consent factory are for. God, I love that guy. So good. So brilliant. Um, CJ Hopkins, the consent factory, off guardian. At CJ Hopkins 723 on Twitter. Follow him. Give him a shout. Tell him Indy Left sent you. And that you listen to his articles on how do we miss that. Fiorell loves him. Whitney Webb loves him. Really sharp dude. I love I, I love his insight. Um so we got human love here. Still a couple dozen people watching, and I love that. Thank you. By the way, we're also on Rockfin. If you don't have YouTube premium and they hit you with ads in the middle of a stream. You can watch this entire stream ad-free. Rockfin.com slash news. Also, yeah, that, that's where we are tonight. I'm not putting it at INN Rockfin. So Rockfin.com slash news. You can watch all of our content for free. I have a couple things there that are premium. I need to actually flip them to free at this point. Usually I make the clips premium for a couple days, but those are just clips from the live streams. There's not one bit of content that we make that you can't watch for free on on our Rockfin channels and everywhere else. Sometimes we'll make playlists available to premium members and certain things to make it a little easier to find find them. But 
everything's available for free because we want to, we want everyone to be able to read and access the stories and pr to promote these incredible journalists, which is what we do every day. Um, and we're about to promote another one. So this one is Aaron Brockovich. Aaron Brockovich, um, from the movie, well, not just from, from the movie, but she famously went after Pacific Gas and Electric, PG&E, back in the 1990s, early, late 80s, early 90s, when they were giving the residents of Hinkley, California, cancer. And she ended up getting them a huge settlement and becoming an environmental advocate and activist. And she got a bunch of money from that as well, which she well earned more than she ever supposedly asked for, according to the, the movie starring, starring Julia Roberts. Um, they made a movie of, of her story, which is pretty wild. Um, I found her on Twitter about a year or two ago and saw that she had started writing a Substack. Wow. About water and about the environment. And I'm going to do this for, for Reef. Water. Yeah, we're going to do water because I'm from New Jersey. So we do water. So I say water and I bet Reef's cracking up right now. So, yes, water. Uh, that is where Miss Brockovich had started, but she's also looking out for families and environmental and, and how corporations destroy towns and the environment that end up poisoning towns. Well, something like that certainly happened this week, didn't it? Uh, and that would, that, that would be in East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, and not just there, but there were other trains and other explosions and other chemical things that happened. But of course, what's happening in East Palestine is terrible. So please, if you can, go and support the Brockovich Report. Uh, it's, it's literally thebrockovichreport.com. She's got a vanity URL for it, but it is a substack. Aaron writes it with Suzanne Boothby. She, Suzanne's terrific. So uh, worried about to toxins in the Palestine water, East Palestine's water. They wrote an article with resources and asking questions, the basic questions for anybody who's in the area I know I want to I want to mention um, Anthony Malecki, who lives pretty close to the area. Shout out to 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 our brother Anthony, and I hope everything is well. I saw a picture of you with with the wife this morning, and so happy to see that that everyone's home and safe and with with the pups and everything. But um, my goodness, what what's happened to that town is is horrible. So Aaron's article, and she's going to be, by the way, in East Palestine on Friday, the 24th, she announced today. But the, the situation in East Palestine and surrounding areas is ongoing and information is changing quickly. But here's what we know today. And this was on February 15th. That was a couple of days ago. So if you missed yesterday's post, you can click on that. Again, go to the BrockovichReport.com and you can see all of this in case you missed it. Um Officials say air quality in East Palestine is fine, but don't drink the water, according to their public media. Ohio Department of Health Director Bruce Vanderhoff said air quality testing shows it is the same as it was before. Uh huh. But Tiffany Cavalek, Division of Surface Water for the Ohio EPA, said they're watching the cloud and how it can affect the water systems. Well, we know there is a plume moving down the Ohio River. That can't be good. Cavalek said that. Water systems are being shut down as that plume goes over an area and testing is taking place to make sure the water is safe. I saw something about Cincinnati shutting down its its city system as the plume passed by. So 
residents of East Palestine are being advised to drink bottled water for now. Benaroff said water from the municipal system appears to be fine, but more extensive testing is ongoing. I would say it is not fine. It looked like there was antifreeze in that water, according to when somebody stuck a, a stick or a rock from every video that I saw on Twitter. But he said people with private wells should get them tested. And he said they can do so by calling this phone number on the screen. And there's another link to read more resources in this article. Anyone on the ground, trust your instincts. We're reporting what officials are saying, but only those in the area can determine what feels safe for you. It almost sounds like do your own research. Hmm. FAQs. Okay, so big thanks to our friends, the scientists and support team at TAPSCORE and Simple Lab for putting the, together this info. Simple Lab is an award-winning science and health services company founded at Cal Berkeley with the mission of improving drinking water and long-term health. TAPSCORE is a service for easy home water testing and reporting created by Simple Lab. How convenient. And... Brockovich Report actually wrote about them back in 2021, I believe, with, with relation to Flint. Um, they are not affiliated with these services. They're just friends. They think they're, that their testing is safe and easy. They're offering a few links to their testing kits for ease and for anyone who may want to test their water. So what was spilled exactly? And she's going to go through exactly, specifically, what these are in detail. And I'm going to butcher it because I'm no chemist. But the U.S. EPA has said, the following chemicals were known to have been released into the air, ground, and water. Vinyl chloride, butyl acrylate, ethyl hexyl acrylate, ethylene glycol monobutyl ether, and isobutylene. These industrial chemicals used to make products like PVC, rubber, paint, and other chemicals. You can be exposed to these chemicals via ingestion, dermal contact, meaning skin, or inhalation because they are volatile and quickly partition into the air. So what is vinyl chloride? And this is what everyone's been talking about most, is also known as chloroethene. Vinyl chloride is a flammable gas with a sweet odor. It is an important industrial compound used in the production of polymer polyvinyl chloride, which is PVC. Vinyl chloride is considered carcinogenic. While it is possible to ingest vinyl chloride in contaminated drinking water, it is more common to be exposed via inhalation. Symptoms of acute exposure in ambient air include dizziness, nausea, visual disturbances, headache, and ataxia. You can test for, vi for vinyl chloride in water with a lab testing kit for VOCs, which are volatile organic compounds. And she has a link on her site to a water test kit for VOCs. Oof, this is brutal stuff. So what is butyl acrylate, known as a, also known as 2-propanoic acid butyl ester, acrylic acid butyl ester. Butyl acrylate is a colorless liquid with a fruity, strong odor. It's used in the manufacture of polymers and resins and in paint formulations. You can begin to smell butyl acrylate when its concentration exceeds 0 0.0. 3.5 parts per million, but odor thresholds can vary greatly by person. You should not rely on odor alone to determine if butyl, butyl acrylate is present at a potentially hazardous concentration. Exposure to butyl acrylate can cause headaches, dizziness, nausea, and vomiting. What is 
ethylhexyl acrylate, which is also known as 2-propanoic acid, 2-ethylhexyl ester, acrylic acid, and 2-ethylhexyl ester. Wow, that's a lot of mouthfuls. So ethylhexyl acrylate, this is like me reading the back of the shampoo bottle when I was a kid. That's what it reminds me of. Um, is a colorless liquid with a sweet odor. It's used in the preparation of, a, of acrylic resins, acrylate adhesives, and polymers. You can be exposed to this stuff via inhalation or skin contact at levels starting at five parts per million in the air. Exposure to ethylhexyl acrylate can cause sore throat, redness, and irritation of eyes or skin, abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. While not classifiable as a human carcinogen, testing has shown cancer in lab mice. This stuff's bad stuff, and we know it's all gotten into the water. We've got ethylene, glycol, monobutyl ether, which is a colorless liquid with a mild odor. It's used in paint, varnish, solvent, and is flammable. Yeah, that stuff should not be in our water. Acute exposures to high concentrations of ethylene, glycol, monobutyl ether can cause irritation to the respiratory tract and eyes. And then we've got isobutylene which is a flammable gas with a petroleum-like odor. It's used to make butyl rubber and as an intermediate in the production of other chemicals. Well, that's very nonspecific. But inhalation of isobutylene uh, can irritate the eyes, nose, and throat and can lead to dizziness, drowsiness, and unconsciousness at moderate concentrations. That does not make me feel good either. Um, so will the spill affect my drinking water? Um, well, it's possible for these chemicals to get in a drinking water supply, either public utility, water drawn from the Ohio River, or private wells in the area, but it is not a guarantee that drinking water will be impacted. Well, that, that, that's a nice, like, non-specific thing right there to tell me. I don't really know what, what to think about that. The federal and state branches of the EPA are monitoring surface groundwater in the area, the spill along the Ohio River, and public drinking water in the area. As of right now, butyl acrylate and ethylhexyl acrylate have been detected outside of the containment area in creeks that feed the Ohio River, but there have been no detections in public drinking water. Well, that's a good thing. No results of private well testing have been posted. Results of public drinking water and surface water monitoring in the area are posted and updated at this website. So we're still continuing to watch this. How concerned should I be about my health if I live in the area? Well, these chemicals are hazardous to human health in both air and water, but the extent of the potential risk depends on the concentrations of the contaminants and the duration of the exposure. One of these chemicals, vinyl chloride, is regularly monitored in drinking water. Vinyl chloride is carcinogenic, and the EPA has set its maximum contaminant level goal in drinking water at zero. That means that no there is no known safe concentration of vinyl chloride in drinking water, assuming a lifetime of exposure. Um, well, that's good, I think. It's, that's a goal. But you can test for that. Like she said, if you get tap water from a public water system or utility, you're probably okay. That doesn't make me feel good. Utilities in the area are monitoring their source, source water and prepared to deal with the situation if contamination is detected. I don't know exactly how they deal with the situation. If you get it from a private well, you are responsible for your own water water quality. 
pay attention to the news and any reports of contamination reaching groundwater nearby. We don't know right now if these chemicals will make it into groundwater, and if they do, if they will reach water that, that supplies private wells. What are public utilities doing about this contamination? Well, they're doing something. That's good to know. Various utilities that source water from the Ohio River have announced that they're carefully monitoring their intake water contamination, and they have alternate sources on standby in case contamination is detected. In addition, let me tell you, they also have announced that they've either enhanced their treatment processes or they have additional treatment ready in case that's needed. Again, I don't know how they can plan and account for this type of a situation, although I did see something about them giving out some kind of digital ID card to the residents of East Palestine like weeks before the, the thing, which was pretty interesting. Um, see the article above that they recommend them that the residents still drink bottled water. She said she would also be careful with cooking, bathing, etc. Here, should should we test our water if we're on public utility? You're not as high risk of you're not at high risk of health impacts because there are professional engineers who oversee your drinking water quality, treatment plan operations. These personnel have already been alerted to the spill and its potential risks. They're monitoring the raw water supply for indicators of dangerous concentrations of any of the contaminants. I don't know. I would say I would still check because anyone with wells can still check these. You know, call this number if you want to test for peace of mind. You can always use this organic compounds test kit. Test for 60 different volatile organic compounds, including vinyl chloride. And then if you're on well water, what should we do? Well, bend over and kiss your butt goodbye. No, I'm just kidding. You're more likely to be at risk if you're on private well water or spring water than if you're public tap water because there is no professional oversight of the water quality in your well. Residents of areas immediately surrounding the, the spill site are eligible for free well testing, of course. I would hope so. Refer to this website for phone numbers to call to request free testing and speak with toxicologists. And if you have a private or shared well and water supply and want to test your water, here's the following contaminant kit, the same thing, the same volatile organic compounds water test kit. And then they found out that because private wells may be closer to the surface than municipal water wells, the Ohio EPA recommends that those who receive drinking water from private wells schedule an appointment for well water testing by an independent consultant. That seems fair. There's phone numbers and information on how. How often should I test? The truth is, we don't know. That's great. Um, if you're on well water, it's important to test once or twice a year, regardless of nearby conditions. However, in a situation like this, there are, one, there are too many variables to give a strong recommendation for testing frequency. Make sure to pay attention to the news, specifically reports about local groundwater. Sampling campaign so you can know if contamination's detected in groundwater near you, and if so, it's advisable to test your water right away. This is the part that I really wanted everyone to see, which is what can I do to remove these chemicals from my water? And that's like when, when they say that, you know, these the, the treatment plants are on standby. Because these compounds are volatile, it's best to remove them from all the water entering your house. This means treatment at the wellhead or point of entry is best. Aeration and activated carbon treatment systems are recommended for reduction of volatile organic compounds like those involved in the spill. 
Multi-stage treatment systems may also include an activated carbon step. This is also often the case for reverse osmosis systems, for example. That's like going through coal. It's like charcoal filtering almost. Carbon stuff. Um, then will boiling my water help? That's important because a lot of people, you know, boil water advisories are very popular. But boiling your water in this case is not advised because volatile chemicals like those released in the spill are released in the air when water is boiled and it becomes an inhalation hazard. Will, distill will distillation help? Well, that's not recommended either. So in general, distillation is not recommended for the removal of volatile organic compounds. If the target compounds have boiling points of near that water, distillation will not adequately remove them anyway. A water softener won't, remove, won't help or remove these compounds from your drinking water. The ion exchange technology used in water softeners is not effective for removal of VOCs like these released in the spill. Reverse osmosis is also not recommended. How interesting. However, many RO systems come with an activated carbon filtration stage. This stage should take care of the VOCs. But if you're not using one with a carbon thing, this info from Simple Lab will continue to be updated there. I know it's a lot of info. It's like a mouthful of technical blah jargon and to anyone not living in the ohio region it really probably sounds like gobbledygook but to anyone there it's critical stuff because and it, and it's going to eventually potentially see, seep over to all of us hey how about that we got merch and it's the same merch as before i gotta work on getting some new pictures and some new merch and some new stuff up there greg designed this how do we miss that shirt got some great video today we'll be uh We'll be checking that out probably next week. But um, I got one more story after this. Um, Oz from Beauty and the Boomer. It's a short one. It's not a fun one, but I wanted to cover it anyway because <clears throat> it's an important one. So uh, I'm going to go right here. That. And then I got to change the vertical one. See, I noticed the vertical one's not changing. Okay. Uh, vertical. Vertical in the main. There we go. Okay. Crooked corporate cops. Line three. This is what we're talking about. So Climate Nexus and EcoWatch. Great websites. Enbridge paid millions to Minnesota police and government agencies to quell line three pipeline protesters. And I don't think this is much of a surprise, which is why it's a short article. I wanted to cover it quickly. Enbridge paid more than $8.6 million to Minnesota police and other agencies to clear the way for the expansion of its Line 3 tar sands oil pipeline by quelling protests and acts of civil disobedience, according to Grist. Of course, we know that the pipeline violates and threatens treaty-protected lands, which several Anishabi tribes, uh, Anish, Anishinaabe tribes, hold rights to hunt, fish, gather nutri nutritionally, and culturally important wild rice. Invoices obtained via public records laws show Enbridge paid what amounted to its private security forces nearly $80,000 on June 7, 2021 for services that included a sound cannon and a U.S. CBP helicopter blowing away protesters with low-altitude rotor wash. Yep. The Minnesota PD also performed the PR work for Enbridge. Uh... Not only did they do that, but they were performing literally PR work. The MPD, pr 
press flack behind the infamous press release claiming George Floyd, quote, physically resisted officers, unquote, also sent press releases and, and, and answered press queries on behalf of state agencies during the Line 3 protests. Wait, what? Yes. Enbridge, which is also fighting the Bad River Band of Lake Superior Chippewa and the state of Michigan over its potentially ca catastrophic Line 5 petrochemical pipeline, also paid nearly a quarter million dollars in response to the increased sexual violence and human trafficking connected to the Line 3 construction. Oh. Fossil fuel extraction and pipeline construction is inextricable from the continued violation of indigenous sovereignty and perpetuation of sexual violence against the indigenous women who live near fossil fuel projects. This is a rampant problem that not enough people are talking about, as reported by Grist. Winona LaDuc, an Anishinaabe activist and founder of the indigenous environmental nonprofit Honor the Earth, is among those arguing in court that charges should be thrown out. Aitken County, the jurisdiction behind the allegation she's fighting, was reimbursed $6,000 for wages and benefits on just one of the days she was arrested. The Duke believes the money amped up the police response, which she probably is correct. Quote, they were far more aggressive with us, far more intent on finding any possible reason to stop somebody. She said, law enforcement is supposed to protect and serve the people, but they work for Enbridge. So their concern is that now this will become the model for deployment nationwide against any community rising up against corporate abuse. And we kind of seen that in Cop City. And that wasn't even corporate. That was governmental. That was for Cop City. And this is Mara Verhayden Hilliard, who's the director of the Center for Protest Law and Litigation, who's representing some of the water protectors. Quote, it becomes easy to sell this to the public as savings for the taxpayers, when instead what they're doing is selling their police department to serve pecuniary interests of a corporation. It really makes me angry. Uh, like the Hulk. You don't want to make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. And when I'm angry, I rage. And here, so we've got some, um, some Rage Against the, the War Machine coverage, post-coverage. Um, this was a really important protest today. It looked like there were at least a thousand people that were there in the, in the crowd. There were several thousand watching on several different streams throughout the day. They were streaming from noon till about four o'clock. There were 35 different, um, speakers. And here are some of the INN members. There you've got Daryl Black and the Empire. And Greg, Big Mad Crab, Lucy, Big Mad Crab, uh, Blue, who's uh, Blue Moon Red Wine, and our brother Colin from INN News. Speakers from, so, and then shout out to Eric, Eric T. Red, who was manning Savvy's live stream all day, and he was producing. Um, great job, really, everyone. So you had big name speakers from former Congress people like Ron Paul, Tulsi Gabbard, Dennis Kucinich, Cynthia McKinney. You had big YouTube slash comedian Jimmy Dore, who we are all familiar with. You've got peace activist Ann Wright, Gerald Salente, Daniel McAdams, David Swanson. Roger Waters did a video at the end that was amazing. Um, ooh, Cynthia McKinney had a recorded video. Chris Hedges was fire. And then we had... A whole other slew of hosts, uh, of, 
of speakers, Garland Nixon and Max Blumenthal. Can you dig it? He was saying that at the end. It was great. Anya Parampil and Jill Stein, Dr. Jill Stein and INN's Tara Reid. We, we, we love you, Tara. We're so proud, so proud of you. And you did great. Diane Sarah, I saw the the uh the, the chat was going crazy for, for Diane's speech. Dan McKnight, who I who I missed, but he he's founder and chairman of Bring Our Troops Home. And we did see Veterans for Peace. We saw a lot of different groups there. Uh, of course, Kim Iverson, Pasta, Hinkle, Wyatt Reed, who was in the Donbass and was under fire, and Dan Cohen, who we read his article earlier tonight uh on on the, the Haiti Troll Factory. And there's there's Tara who finally got to meet up with some of the INN people in person. So happy about that. Everybody happy to see each other. I actually took this screenshot while Tara was live from the News to Share feed. And uh thank you to Ford Fisher and to News to Share for covering this, as well as all the other live events that they cover. Um we had Will Hobson from the Oregon Libertarian Party who was there. This was after the rallies were over. There was a gathering of speakers. I saw some of the people from the, the African Socialist Party movement, the uh, the Uhuru movement, were there. Sabi Sabs did an interview with with um, with Colin afterwards that Eric said she's going to cut up and put out. I saw Jose Vega, who has been protesting and doing uh, direct action where he's been disrupting politicians at their local speeches and holding them their feet to the fire. He did it with Richie Torres recently last week. Mm. He also has um, famously done that to AOC. And and go back, watch some of the speeches. Um, we have some on our channel. Support Rage Against the War Machine. You know, um, Big Man Crab actually sent me a bunch of videos. I have not been through them yet. Uh, but he has speeches basically from everyone from Wyatt Reed and, and Jimmy Dore's whole speech in three, in three parts, Dan Cohen's three and a half minute speech. I did want to, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to play the Torah speech. Uh, I didn't know I was going to do it. Uh, let me see if I can download this and open it up quick. Save as, and let's just go back now. It's a great shot of Jose. I sent this to him, by the way. He's he was so psyched that uh, that I I was able to grab it. Um, put this in. How do we miss that sixty-eight folder? All right, and let's see if we can open this up. Let's go back to a single with me. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. We're just about done wrapping up for tonight. Um, I did want to play Tara's speech, and then I figure we'll take us out from there. Uh, let's see if I can find it though. Let's see if this will work. How do we miss that 68? And there is the video. Don't know if you're going to be able to hear this. Hopefully you will be able to. Let's drop this here. And this was Big Mad Crab who got the video. Go back to Indy Maine. And let's make sure that you're going to be able to hear my desktop audio. <clears throat> so I'm going to play Torah's speech. It was fire three and a half minutes or so. And then uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to say goodnight, everyone. So keep questioning everyone's motivations. Thank you so much for joining tonight. How do we miss that? 
We'll be back next week, next Sunday night, with another with another episode. I think I may have Delilah Barrios joining. We talked about it. We'll see if she's available and excited and looking forward to having her with us next week, if if that's the case. Say hi to Reef while you while you see him. Uh, plugs for this week. I know that um, Tuesday night, I believe we're going to be doing a Jesse stream. It might even be next week that, that we're going to do another Jesse stream. Uh, that'll be episode 20 and then of American Tradition. Wednesday night, you can check out Oz, who will be uh, subbing for Colin on INN News. Uh, Oz from Beauty and the Boomer. Colin's going to be uh, on a little, little well-earned vacation, especially after going to the rally today. And uh, and then next Sunday night, we'll be back here for How Do We Miss That? So everybody, come, uh, everybody check it out. And thank you again so much for, for watching. I'm going to play Tara's thing now. Hello, everyone. Hello. You know my story. Joe Biden didn't ask for my consent. And he is not, his administration is not asking for the American citizens' consent to enter into this proxy war against Russia via Ukraine. Over a hundred billion dollars in weapons and aid, and it's going where? We don't know. It's a money laundering scheme. There needs to be a congressional investigation into Joe Biden for what he's doing for all of us. I will be there for you. I will tell my story at that congressional investigation, and I will go under oath. Now, we're here today not because we have anything bad to say about the Ukrainian people. They are suffering. The Ukrainian workers are suffering. The Russians are suffering. This is about the Western Empire that has um, basically used the military-industrial complex and weaponized it to these endless wars. Julian Assange has given up his freedom to give us that information. When he told us about the 2014, when he published the information about the 2014 coup that was Western-backed, that led to this moment in history that we are now. The Biden administration is taking us to World War III, and we're not gonna have it. You know, there's a Shakespeare saying, as flies to wanton boys are we to the gods, they kill us for their sport. The elites are not going to kill us. There are more of us than them. They're, we are going to stop this war and stop the endless funding to Ukraine. I see the Russian flags out there. Hello, Russia. You are not our enemy. Russia is not our enemy. China is not our enemy. The military-industrial complex has taken, hijacked the Democratic and Republican Party. And it didn't take much money to do it, did it? So we have to take it back. And we have to demand from these politicians. Because remember, they work for us. We don't work for them. I want to leave on this note. 
I think I liked it better being blind When I couldn't read between the lines And when I couldn't see the cracks in the structure That lay bare before me the whole time I think I liked it better back when I Suspended disbelief and swallowed pride I thought I knew the difference in the red from the blue But they both bleed us so dry both bleed us so dry My favorite songs don't hit the same way I get to the end of a four minute track And I'm only looking back thinking What did they actually say? 